0: Welcome to episode 37 of the Raft Podcast. In this episode, each Raft team member shares their experience with making a difficult decision. Listen in and be inspired as the team discusses the tools they utilized to support them in being intentional and making a choice. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Raft Podcast. This week, we have a special treat as the entire RAF team is here to answer the question asked by the advocate this week. So we have Alice Jurgensen, Indrani Garadia, Miriam Hashimi, Estaniola Harbour, and me, Jeremy Miller. Say hi, everybody.
2: Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. Hello.
1: All right. This week, we are going to be talking about making the best decision when there isn't a good one. And our advocate this week's writes, I have a tough decision to make and could use some support. After COVID-19 and working from home, I'm finally able to return to work at the shelter. However, my kids will be going to school online this year. I need to decide to leave my job and stay home with my kids or continue working at the shelter. But most of my paycheck will go to childcare while my kids are at home going to school. Neither option seems that great. How can I make this decision? And so in this episode, we're each going to share a tool that we use and have used for making the best decision when there isn't really a good one. And we're going to start with Alice.
0: First, let me say that I have so much compassion for this advocate and all the other advocates in this situation Hard is an understatement. This is just a tough, tough situation. So I want to first acknowledge that. Secondly, my experience has taught me that in situations like this, there is no perfect or right answer. The situation is hard. And I love that our team has the opportunity to weigh in on this question because it indicates there are all all kinds of ways to support yourself as you come to the decision or to get you to the decision. And it's about what makes sense for you and your children now. So I can relate to this hard. This thing is hard. The situation is hard. I feel like when I read this question, it was um, the micro macro versions of this for me. Some things that might seem easy to others were hard for me to determine. And so I really related to this to the theme of this. Is it, should I do it this way or this way? And nothing seems quite, no, no decision is great. So I understood that. So I wanted to just offer up the things that um, have supported me as I come to these decisions when they're difficult. Uh, the first, I have sort of my list here. And I think the, the first thing that's important to keep in mind is that no decision is permanent so often we, we get caught up because there's such urgency to make a choice that we are, that's kind of blocks our view from we can make a choice and then make another choice. So it's not permanent. You can change your mind if the circumstances change or your feelings about the circumstance change. So those two are connected. There's no decision is permanent. And the second piece of that is you can change your mind depending on the situation. Or your feelings about the situation, my third one, which I alluded to earlier, is there 's no perfect way through i 've often felt in these situations like if I can just find the key, there must be the right way and i 'll just find i 'll just talk and talk and talk and trying to figure out what that the right key is for that keyhole, and that will unlock the door to the perfect and right choice, and that can um, be depleting and taxing on us to think there's a right way. So that's number three. Number four, people will have a lot of opinions about what you should be doing. So I giggle here because, oh my, the people that have thought that I should be do, do, not doing something or doing this thing or doing that thing, um, So know that that will happen. There's going to be the people that have opinions. And that if you could in your mind picture turning down the volume on the people that have those opinions that you know are not gonna be supportive to what you need. Number five, do not get caught up in the rabbit hole of second guessing once you have made that decision. So I know I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but I think what can happen when we're trying to make the decision is we go beyond that and then the second guessing already happens before we've even made the choice. So it's important that once we make that choice, that we don't torture ourselves with second guessing that choice. Again, you can always make a different choice. So trust the choices that you've made. Number six... When I was reading this scenario, I was hearing either or. There's either I need to leave my job or continue to work at the shelter. And my mind went to well, what's the middle option? Our brains tend to create the, the um, all or nothing or black or white scenarios to sort of problem solve those. <laughs> but it's very limited and it doesn't leave a lot of room for a creative problem solving when we're in the, there's either this or that I have to leave or stay. So my, I thought was, what's the, what's the middle option. And in this, this idea of the, of uh, the children being at school, it occurred to me like, what's the hybrid because some schools are, going online and some are, are um, there's children that are online at home and also going into the classroom. So it occurred to me sort of what would be the, the middle creative problem solving option. And I know that's a touch of my curiosity <laughs> uh, coming in there. So that's number six. What's the middle? What's the middle road? And this is my, my seventh And I tried to make it even like six or eight and it didn't happen. So we've got seven here. Um, So my seventh tip that I rely on mightily, it's it's one of the key tools that I use, is how to pay attention to your body when you're trying to make a hard decision, a hard choice. So our minds... We tend to think that we need to use our minds in order to crack that code and find, the, find the, the right one for us. And what I've learned over the years is to tap into the wisdom of my body because my body will have a better sense of what's going to work for me. I hesitate to even say right or wrong, but rather what's going to work for me. The way that I use that tool is I might imagine the different scenarios, witness those different scenarios we talk about in the RAFT curriculum, but going to the movies exercise where we imagine having hard conversations. And so it's a bit like that where I imagine a scenario and then I observe that scenario. And while I'm observing the scenario, I pay attention to what's happening in my body. Does that situation make me more tense or does it make me feel lighter? Those tend to be the, the the two avenues. So is it more tension or less tension? And if there's an opportunity to do that while you know, when you wake up in the morning or in the middle of the day, if you have a couple of minutes or at night, it depends on what works for you. But those moments of quiet where you can tune in play the scenario and notice how your body's reacting. And it could be whatever moment where there's calm. I find that I'm I'm very relaxed when I'm making my coffee in the morning. It's a whole kind of ritual that I do and I'm thinking about my day but it's from a generally from a relaxed place. So I want what I wanted to get across today is that it doesn't have to be this intense thing where you have to sit down and now you're going to pay attention to your body. And what does that mean for, you know, how does that relate to this, the choices that you're making? I wanted to offer that it can be simple and soft again, that I have compassion for those, these situations that are hard. I think about the first thing that came to me was breaking up and being in a relationship. That's not quite right, but the alternative didn't seem great either. Um, being without that person and how hard that is to be on the precipice of a breakup, which could go on for months. <laughs> it's not to say the precipice is like, you know, one or two weeks. So have compassion for yourself in the process of working your way to that answer that's right for you and your family in that moment. Team Andrani, Mariam, Estignola, Jeremy, what are your thoughts? I'd love to hear from you. I was really happy to hear you
3: say, it's often not one this or that. And what is your body saying? In my own life, I used to always make decisions from my head and I put my body in grave danger. I allowed anxiety to thrive I allowed bad and disruptive self-talk to carry on monologues that, you know, that would make Ruth Bader Ginsburg shrink.
0: Yeah.
3: And when I learned that my body had wisdom, it was the beginning of a whole new way to manage my
0: life. Thank you, Andrani. We could probably just have a podcast on, you know, tapping into that wisdom and what a game changer that is. Yeah, thank you for sharing.
1: I think what stood out for me, Alice, was when you said our minds always tend to go to either or situations. And in this situation specifically, you know, there might be the ability to contact your supervisor at the shelter and say, you know, this is the situation I'm in. Is there a part-time position coming up? Is there, are there shifts that are happening at night when, you know, my partner is home possibly and can take care of the kids at home and I can work during the day. Uh, There's all sorts of different, possibilities that can arise if we get out of that either or thinking and actually talk to people and ask questions and present solutions and have those conversations. So I think, you know, once you feel through your body, how you're feeling is not to get trapped in only asking your body the either or the, or make sure that you're checking in with your body on a kind of a range of possibilities to see which one feels best, even if some of them end up not being possible, at least check in with those range of possibilities and see how your body reacts, not just to the either or.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's um, I think if, if we go between the, the what feels loose or what feels constricting or tight or light as we go between those, that it might not be possible, but it's, if it's light, And it's impossible, it's still leading you in a lighter path, right? There might be something that is illuminated as you go further down that path um, that becomes possible. Yes, thank you, Jeremy. This is Miriam.
2: I was just gonna say, I wrote down, no decision is permanent. I feel like that's important. It feels like that and the urgency is definitely sometimes there when you're making decisions. So to realize that it's not permanent, it helps for that perspective.
0: Yes, that gives us um, flexibility of thinking just right there. It can be, this is what's right now. This is what's good for me now. This is what's good for my family now. And if it's not, I'll look at when, if it's not in like a couple of months or a couple of weeks, I have the flexibility to shift again. And it puts us in a place of empowerment. And certainly I think, allows us to feel less burdened while trying to come to a solution that works.
2: Thank you, Miriam. This is Estenilla. I agree with what Miriam took away from your talk, Alice, about decision not being permanent. I'm a kind of person who can't figure out how to think um, fluidly. (laughs) So it feels like this is a decision that's going to last forever. So what I've done is I started to think about 15, 10, Even tomorrow, am I going to be worried about this decision? And somehow that starts to like ease me, like when I'm 60, 70, 80 years old, am I going to be thinking about this decision? And is it going to change the trajectory of my life? And that statement that you said just helps me to remember that nothing is absolutely permanent when it comes to making a decision and to relax about it. It's one thing to have to make the decisions. Another thing to have so many feelings about making the decision.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. There's so many feelings that go into, <laughs> if only we were robots and could just, you know, have it be clear and not have all the thinking around it. So yeah, it's trying to to decrease the chatter in our minds. These are all ways of decreasing the chatter so we can arrive at a place that works.
1: Yeah, and although decisions are never permanent in this specific scenario, and many of them, I just want to acknowledge that although that decision might not be permanent, it could have some bad or painful results for a while that you'll need to work through before you can change that decision back or make another decision. So we're not just covering the fact that, make one of, you know, go either way on this decision, it's not permanent, you can change it back, but that doesn't mean that you would be able to call the shelter the next day and ask for your job back. It could be months. And so just want to acknowledge that we still get to make decisions, they're not permanent, but they can have some, some tough results. And that's okay, too, because we're the one making those decisions. We're in control of that, even when it doesn't necessarily feel like we are. Next, we are going to hear from Estenola.
2: I just need to do like a mini scream first. Ah! Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> so I don't have the experience of navigating COVID as a parent and certainly not as an advocate, but I definitely... Empathize because I know the feeling of wanting to be in control of my life and feeling completely helpless when I'm not. So, I wanted to offer what I default to in my personal life when I'm faced with two difficult decisions that leave me feeling helpless, and that is prayer. There was a season in my life, I'll just tell you a quick story. There was a season in my life when I was struggling to get health insurance. I was too old to be on my parents' plan and not poor enough to get the free state-provided health insurance, but I had figured out how to get health insurance through my grad program as an AmeriCorps VISTA. And as soon as I got it, I scheduled a doctor appointment to deal with a bowel issue that I was getting was progressively worse for like months. So weeks later, I arrived at my appointment and I did something I have never done before and I haven't done it since then, I walk up to the receptionist and I ask her to double check that I have active insurance. So I'm watching her. She's clacking away at the keyboard for a good five minutes until finally she goes, yes, ma'am, you do. So I'm like so happy. I go to the appointment. Not only do I go to the appointment, I sign up for all these tests. I go to see a specialist literally that following week. And then weeks later, I get a bill that literally makes my heart stop. It was thousands of dollars. I owed every last penny for the medical bills that I had accrued from those visits. After talking to my health insurance, I'm freaking out. I found out that I had never been insured in the first place, despite the receptionist saying I was. So I had two difficult decisions. Either pay this enormous bill, even though it was certainly under unfair conditions, because I thought that I had insurance and I was told I did, or refused to pay it because I was right to not pay it, and also because I couldn't afford it, and let it go to collections and mess up my good credit. And I just told you, I'm someone who likes to have control over my life, so having bad credit is like a nightmare for me. So at the time, I was a fairly new Christian, um, and I had seen God do some miraculous things in my life and other people's life. I was such a, a newbie. I did the only thing that I knew how to do, which when I was desperate, I just started praying. I think I said something like, God... This is an injustice. I'm so angry. What can you do about it? I was actually commanding him, which is sounds really silly right now, but I was basically saying, I'm desperate. I need help. Um, Get me out of this situation. And this went on for a year of me talking to the insurance, talking to the collections agency, trying to explain the situation to them, talking to third party medical businesses, documenting everything all the while, praying and praying and praying and praying to just get some sense of um, normalcy and peace in my life. And it was a complete nightmare. And what I found was the most discouraging was that people in my life who also were uh, self-proclaimed Christians were doubting my faith and saying, why don't you just pay the bill? That's why I didn't have money to pay the bill. So I couldn't even do that. But it was a bummer because you would think that they would encourage me to utilize this tool, trying to figure out how to navigate this difficult decision. And honestly, towards the end, I started to believe them. So one day it's like a year later, I wake up and I say, you know what? I'm just going to pay this stupid bill and arrange a payment plan so that I don't mess up my credit, even though I know that this is totally unfair, but I was tired of, This medical bill hanging over my head and could not delay the decision anymore. So I picked up the phone. Oh, I don't want to get teary-eyed as I talk about it. I picked up the phone and I called and the operator said, ma'am, what are you talking about? There is no outstanding bill in your name. And I literally said to her, lady, I'm yelling at her, I said, lady, stop playing with me. And I gave her my information again, my date of birth, my full name, my address. This is the amount of the bill, this is the claim number. And she simply repeated the same statement again and then she first parted. There is no bill under your name. I'm still in disbelief. I said, lady, email me the proof. So I gave her my email address. Yes. <laughs> and she emails me a statement and it literally says zero. I hung up the phone, I must have went through a range of emotions after that call from like laughter to crying to dancing to shouting thinking at the top of my lungs. I think I might have even called some of my family members and said, I proved you wrong, the bill is zero. <laughs> Thanks for the me. <laughs> and I mentioned this story because there are key words that came out of the process of using prayer to navigate this two decisions. For one, I was grateful that a miracle had been performed. I still don't know to this day how it got performed, and I personally believe it was God. But even if you don't even use prayer, or you don't believe in God, or whatever your faith may be, I hope that these learnings from the process of using prayer would be helpful. The first one being, there is always a third option, and it may seem like there are only two difficult decisions. For me, my third option is always God. And for you, maybe someone or something else, but my point is that you should allow yourself the time, whether through prayer or some other means of waiting to find it out. There have been times when the best option for me was to not choose any of the options before me, and that was okay, too. The second learning that I found from this process was no decision is urgent. I actively delayed the financial outcome of this situation for a year. I didn't avoid it. I didn't pretend it wasn't there, it certainly was, but I was determined that it would be done at my pace and my comfort level. And then the third was that prayer is a self-care tool that built for me faith, courage, and peace about a decision, especially a hard one. At the end of this journey, I had decided in my heart, I literally decided in my heart that I was going to take full responsibility for the medical bill, even though I knew it was not my responsibility. And then right then when I was at peace with that decision is when I believe God honored it by taking care of the entire bill himself. So for me, persistent prayer to God has never failed, and I hope this is an encouragement to advocate, advocates who already utilize prayer as part of the self-care and decision-making process, um, and for advocates who are wanting to explore it, especially for two difficult decisions that you are facing that are not ideal. So with that, team, do you have any
1: thoughts? Yeah, thanks, Estinola. I think what Pops up to me from what you were talking about is the idea that we need to get urgency out of our life. Now, obviously, there's emergency situations that can be urgent, uh, but too often when we're faced with a decision, We make a decision as fast as we can, and we feel like we need to get it out of the way. And we don't use something like Alice's tool of looking at your body, or we don't use meditation, or we don't use prayer. You know, for me, you know, my equivalent to prayer would be that I always make sure that I walk away from a decision, take time doing something else, and then come back to that decision. And if I'm not ready to make that decision at that point, I will step away from it again and do something else. And for me, a lot of the times it's going out into nature, going for hikes, going for bike rides, spending time with family, uh, which I think serves that similar function of having time for the decision, like you said, drawing on, on things that are powerful to me in my life that help me make that decision and eventually help me to make a much better decision than if I had have just made it Right away. You no, know, I
2: agree, Jeremy. The power of waiting. There's so much that can go wrong by reacting quickly, and just taking that time to step away and being willing to be patient about how long that process of waiting takes before making the decision is key.
3: No, this is andrani Estanilla. I really appreciate it. The faith that you have, not only in yourself, that I will find a way to pay this bill even though it's not fair, and then that the gift was given to you after you had taken full responsibility. And I think prayer and meditation and mindfulness, it brings us into a place of accepting what is, and it's accepting who we are and accepting what we can do. What can only you do about this? And I have sat in prayer for many, many years in my life asking for the next best step. Mm -hmm. Or sat, sat in meditation or or cried like just sat and just allowed my soul to bleed asking for guidance and i i think all of that is allowing us to just stop vibrating as if we're fanatic and begin to slow down everything and yeah, things happen, and the only word that can ever describe it is miracle, and I'm going to take that, because it, if it feels like a miracle to me, it's a
0: miracle to me. Thank you. Thanks, Andrani. Estanyola, this is Alice. I, I liked when you said that not making a choice, I think you made it very clear and I'm it's getting fuzzy <laughs> but you made it very clear at the time I'm pretty sure I heard this right that not making a choice at that time is a choice which feels different than not making a choice because of urgency like not making a choice is also a choice mm-hmm. this mixture of all the options that may occur with the the either or one simple addition to that is either or or no choice right now and that can bring contentment just that i don't have to decide right now so i wanted to highlight that feels different than not making a choice out of urgency not making a choice at the moment is also a a great option thanks Alice. thank you for listening to the raft podcast you can email us at info at raftcares.org and anonymously share your own questions or challenging situations to be answered on the show. If you would like to learn more about our free trainings, send an email to info at raftcares.org. You can also sign up for our free advocate resources on our website. Click on the link for domestic and sexual violence advocates, and be sure to look at the website for upcoming virtual training opportunities. If you have any questions, you can email our team at info at We hope this podcast has been a source of support and comfort to you in the amazing work you do in this world. We see you.